Welcome back to Yes X or No Audio. Well, hello there. It's Sunday morning, approaching four o'clock here on the eastern seaboard of Australia on November the 5th, 2023. Usual script. Let's go on with the uh, anti-war headlines and we start with the topic of the moment, Israel slash Gaza. House Speaker says bill to split Israel aid from Ukraine will be brought to floor. Israel following US advice in its Gaza ground operation. Leaks Israeli intelligence ministry document proposes complete ethnic cleansing of Gaza. 26 journalists killed in Gaza since October 7. House Republicans unveil $14.3 billion bill for Israel. Israel told the US mass civilian casualties were acceptable price of Gaza campaign. Yemen's Houthis say they launched missiles, drones at Israel. At least 50 killed by Israeli strikes in Jabalia refugee camp. U.S. Special Operations Forces are in Israel helping locate hostages. Blinken says U.S. needs to fund wars in Ukraine, Gaza, because of China. Report. Netanyahu lobbied EU to pressure Egypt to accept refugees from Gaza. U.S. Israel considered deploying multinational force to Gaza after war. Senator Graham says no limit on how many civilians Israel can kill. Some foreign nationals, severely wounded Palestinians, allowed to leave Gaza. Israel says 16 soldiers killed in ground invasion so far. And everybody else said, who gives a damn? UN says Israeli strikes on Jabalia refugee camp could amount to war crimes. U.S. Representative Mast, a former IDF soldier, denies there are, quote, innocent Palestinian civilians, end quote. Dick Durbin becomes first U.S. senator to call for Gaza ceasefire. Blinken heads to Israel to discuss war with Netanyahu. House passes $14.3 billion in military aid for Israel. Israel rejects U.S. proposed temporary halt to fighting. Other Middle East slash Iran. Attacks on U.S. bases in Iraq and Syria continue after U.S. airstrikes. Israeli warplanes launch more strikes in Syria, Lebanon. Note the date. That's the 30th of October. I expect not to see that next week. We'll discuss that later. Pentagon. US forces in Iraq and Syria attacked 23 times since October 17th. I just remind you, US, those forces of yours in Syria and Iraq are not welcome there. There's a bill passed by the Iraqi parliament saying, piss off, and you've never been welcomed in Syria either. Moving on. House passes resolution that suggests using force against Iran. Again, note the date. This is November the 2nd. You won't see much more of that shit soon. On to Ukraine slash Russia. Russian forces pushing to encircle eastern Ukrainian city of Adivka. Zelensky 
quote, deludes, end quote, himself into thinking Ukraine can win war. Aid. Russia provokes comprehensive nuclear test ban treaty. Ukraine's commander-in-chief says the war is a stalemate. <laughs> the US announces new $425 million weapons package for Ukraine. Good money after bad. <laughs> and moving on to the east, Pacific slash China, we have US says Chinese jet came within 10 feet of B-52 bomber over South China Sea. And I've just got to cut in here. 10 feet for the size of a 50 B-52 bomber is a bee's dick. <laughs> that is nothing. There was a comment about this from uh, Ray McGovern about a week ago, so it's finally come up in the news. This was on the 29th of October, so it happened over that weekend and got reported on the Monday afterwards. Anyway, yeah, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> anyway, uh, China-Japan Coast Guard vessels face off near disputed Senkaku Islands. So this is, you know, more shenanigans in the South China Sea over, you know, China claiming little atolls and so forth. Anyway, in the other voices section, we've got a bunch of things uh, that are sort of interesting, but it's all very much commentary on what's going on, so it's not terribly surprising. But anyway, here we go. Deeper into depravity, great title from Patrick Lawrence at Sheer Post. And then Biden. <laughs> this is... Oh, Caitlin Johnston. Oh, is she damn good. Biden, quote, countering Islamophobia, end quote, while incinerating Gaza is the most Democrat thing ever. Sorry, I've got to do that again. Biden, quote, countering Islamophobia, end quote, whilst incinerating Gaza is the most Democrat thing ever. Caitlin Johnston. Go, girl. And here's a clever title from Jonathan Cook. Without Hamas, Gaza would still not be free. <laughs> is it... Uh, I like Cook a lot. He's a great writer. Anyway, um, Israel faces mounting diplomatic isolation. No shit, Sherlock. While Ukraine goes begging from Larry Johnson, sort of observing the, the two games that are playing. Uh, and Craig Murray, uh, a textbook case of genocide in which he looks at the resigning in protest of the AUN Human Rights Commissioner from New York uh, that, who is interviewed by Blumenthal from the Grey Zone below. So you get both the article, uh, which looks at the entire four pages of the resignation letter where he says what he means and means what he says, and then you can hear him speaking about that with Blumenthal in the interview. And then we move on to Scott Horton. This is a bit old. It's from the 27th of October. Netanyahu's support for Hamas backfired, in which Horton goes and produces all the quotes from way back forever when about all of the support that Netanyahu and the you know, conservative nationalist Zionist Israelis uh, have given to Hamas over the years. So that's an extension of the article by one of um, the staff writers at Shearpost. There's a lot of people sort of dug, in, dug their stuff up and going, oh, look, look. How about that? So um, Horton sort of summarises it nicely in the title. <laughs> Netanyahu's support for Hamas backfired. Oh, did it really? <laughs> and then Mudabad Obama Bernard has given us a uh, Nasrallah speech on Gaza, which is very interesting. So that's a message to uh, Hezbollah from their leader. And then there's an interview, um, Napolitano, 
has a chat with Scott Horton uh, about what's going on in Gaza, and then there's a bunch of more interviews. Um, so we've got uh, Makurus and Christoforo from the Duran doing uh, Biden White House aims to scapegoat Netanyahu. Mm. Interesting idea, probable. And then uh, Napolitano interviewing McGregor, and then this is the interview I mentioned earlier with Blumenthal and the UN Human Rights Commissioner, Craig Mokiba. And then moving on to the NATO slash Ukraine thing, we've got a really interesting article from John Helmer, who looks at a recent uh, public survey in Russia. And the title sort of says it all, but it's, it's usual Helmer. You've got to read it carefully to get it. If the army says, fight the war, Russians agree. If the Kremlin says, stop, Russians agree on conditions the army decides. So anyway, it's an interesting article. And then we have uh, Ted Schneider from Anti-War talking about this, basically this hit piece that Time put out on Zelensky, making him out to seem like a complete idiot, which he is, but, you know, anyway. The fact that Time have put this out means that it's been approved by the powers that be. Anyway, so um, Ted Schneider chimes in with, Volodymyr Zelensky is in a sea of troubles. And then Bernard from Moon in Alabama comes in with Ukraine's hit rep technologies and stalemate. And this is again Makuris and Christoforou. Ukraine Zelensky admits defeat, prepares alibi. So they're having a look at you know how this is all going to get folded up and who's going to blame who and so forth. Um, and then there's an interesting uh, daily update from Alex Christoforou titled Zeluzhny, Ukraine Military Parity with Russia, which of course is a fucking joke. Biden wants Netanyahu gone, which is a sort of pre- prequel to the, the discussion they have about setting up Netanyahu as the fall guy for the US. And then lastly, on his um, <laughs> clown world section, he talks about another prank by <laughs> uh, Volvin and uh, Lexus on the conservative Italian Prime Minister Maloney. And he goes soft on her, which is sort of nice, um, but he makes one point in it which I think is really quite observant, and that is that these political leaders at the sort of second tier, they really don't know much of what's going on because they're being briefed by people who are you know, consuming the general media. They've got no fucking idea what's going on, really, or at least maybe more than bugger all, but not much. And I think that's a key observation, that this, this class of political leader, leaders, they really don't get an awful lot of useful information. They're a little, you know, down the food chain. They're, they get... From the, the intelligence news, they get what they're meant to know rather than what, what they might wish to know, if you get my drift. And then moving on to sort of further afield stuff, we have an article by Vijay Prashad at Consortium News called After Gaza, Conflict in Asia, which of course is looking at the US-China thing that's going to move along. And lastly, I have what I think is the best geopolitical interview that there's been in months. And this is Regis Tremblay interviewing Glenn Deason, Professor Glenn Deason. And it's largely about 
what the multipolar world is, what's the rhetoric behind it, uh, what the hell is this whole damn thing about. And I think it's very interesting and highly recommend it. It's worth every single minute of it. Decent is, in my view, one of the best uh, political analysts out there when you're looking at the multipolar blah blah right so BRICS SEO so not so much the mechanisms but but what is trying to be achieved a bit like Mearsheimer was so useful in terms of what the hell is going down in Ukraine and just looking at the real politic of it the, you know the end result is you get a smashed up Ukraine he didn't he wasn't really able to predict of course the full outcome of it because he didn't understand what was going to come ahead of time, but but that was obvious enough, and he got that right. And so this is this is decent looking at what does the multipolar world look like, and he's qualified to know. He's been studying uh, Russia. He's Norwegian. He's been studying Russia for well over a decade, and most of that in de- in Russia itself. He knows what he's talking about. Anyway, for the final section of the podcast, I'd like to look at. The article Enter Lavrov. But to do that, I think it would be valuable to jump way back in time to the dark ages of 2021 at an article I published then called SEO uh, plus one plus three. And I'll begin by just highlighting um, some things that. President Putin was saying uh, as he addressed the meeting the final points that were the subject, one of the subjects of the meeting and they were the accession process for the Islamic Republic of Iran to join the SCO the granting of the state of Qatar, the Arab Republic of Egypt and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia the SEO's dialogue partner status and the initiative of holding a joint meeting of the SEO and the CSTO, that's the Collective Security Treaty Organisation, which is Russia's security organisation, leaders to plan establishing stability in Afghanistan, whose every immediate neighbour was represented at this meeting. Because Afghanistan was very much on the discussion board at the time because the US had just fucked off out of Afghanistan with a tail between its legs. But what was happening back then is this STO process that I keep talking about, and this is two years ago. And what's happening is that Turkey's already a dialogue partner. Qatar, who'd been contributing towards the Syrian dirty war, gets invited in. Egypt gets invited in, and so does Saudi Arabia. And we've seen what happened there with a rapprochement facilitated by China uh, between Saudi Arabia and Iran. So this is two years ago when this was going on. And now what we've got is, the, as I conclude the article in Lavrov, what you're seeing here in terms of dealing with this conflict in Palestine, Gaza, Israel is, in my view, the political manoeuvring of the security aspect of the SCO. So you look at it, Turkey makes its move with the ever-mercurial and opportunistic Erdogan coming out and saying, all right, we're on the side of the Palestinians and making the most he can politically out of the situation. Fair enough. And then 
Just immediately afterwards, you have a meeting between the foreign ministers of the Russian Federation and uh, Syria. And the, Russia publishes the, the readout in which Lavrov basically tells Israel to stop fucking attacking Syria. And this is something that I've, that's been puzzling me for quite some time. Why the hell was Russia allowing Israel to keep attacking Syria, who is a very important ally of theirs because of the naval base at Tartus and the um, air base at Kamenim, whatever it's called. It's a critically important foreign military basis for Russia. So why the hell they were allowing um, Israel to keep attacking Syria, I could for the life of me not understand. So now is the right time. It's all about timing, right? So this is the SCO putting its cards on the table through Lavrov, as far as I can see. Because you look at what I'm talking about in the article. Turkey is a very sizable, second largest military in NATO. Russia, Iran, <laughs> and Syria, who is also an SEO member now. And then who's not going to get involved? Egypt, also an SEO dialogue partner. And I don't think the Iraqis will do anything in this. And there's no other major military in the region, with the exception of Pakistan, who are just sort of on the outside. But they're also a member. They're not going to get involved in this either. Which is, as I'm trying to say in the article, the US and Israel have got nowhere to go. They ca- if they run, if they let this thing spread, if they encourage this thing to spread, it will. they're screwed. Like, totally. So, and I don't think that the SCO, being led primarily by China and Russia, will want this to spread either, and neither would Iran and so forth. So everybody wants this thing to be contained. So this is where we're at. And lastly, to move on to the discussion between the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, whatever it was, and um, Blumenthal, and he makes a very interesting point, which is to say that this is this discussion about the two-state, one-state solution. And two-state solution was the best thing that Israel could have got, really, if they'd actually supported it, which they never did, because they always wanted the whole damn thing. You know, that's what they've been doing, constantly encroaching. And the point now that this resigning Human Rights Commissioner is saying is, well, fuck you, Israel. You're not going to get a two-state solution. State solution. You're going to get a one-state solution. And what that means is because the, the Arabs have more children than you do, you're going to get demographically fucked over. Right, they're you know it's like human rights for everyone, and they're going to have more kids, and they're just going to vote you out of office and screw you. It's quite. I mean, if you're taking it from a human rights perspective, that's fair enough. In democracy, this is what happens, you know. Um, so we'll see where it all goes. Uh, who knows? But I do not believe that Israel are going to be allowed to continue to just murder children and refugees and pregnant women and it's just that's it no more of this we'll see how it goes but there's a lot of motivation now there is a unity amongst the arab nations and again it's a matter of having a political organization to express it 
And here it is. It's the SEO that can do this. But they won't act as the leaders on this. They'll be behind the scenes, no doubt. It will be the Arab League that need to take the, the front on this. But again, they can't really push for it either. I've been scratching my head and trying to work out who is it that has enough political credibility to be and gumption to be able to push this, push, find a solution? Because it's going to take years and years and years. So who's got two full terms of office available to them? And no, I'm not talking about some US twat. I'm talking Lula. Lula is someone who could do this and it could be a big legacy for him. The question is, does he want to do that? I think he might be more interested in focusing on cementing uh, Brazil's place as an independent and powerful uh, element of South America. We'll see. He'll get lots of shit thrown at him left, right and centre uh, to do that. So it's a question for him. But I can't see many other leaders who can do this. So anyway, interesting, interesting things. Hope you're well. Catch you next week. Until next time. Mm-hmm.